Jesus, I just pray that, um, that you would just be with us right now, that you would be speaking to us, um, and that you'd speak through me to all of us, that anything that's not of you would just kind of fall to the wayside, and anything that is would just ignite a fire in our hearts, I pray. Amen. Amazing. See, King, if we could go back one slide. Uh, that's the one. Amazing. So if you've been here a little while, you might um, have come across this, which is um, our mission. We believe we've got a mission as a church, and we articulate it like this, that um, as a church, our purpose is to be, like, in, first of all, inviting. You know, this isn't just about kind of us doing our own thing and having a holy bless-up club. This is something we want to share with others, not because we want to fill the coffers or have more people in seats because it makes us feel better about ourselves, but because we genuinely believe that in Jesus we have someone who who we want others to know. We've experienced the goodness of knowing him. We don't want to keep that to ourselves. We want to share that. So we're inviting. Um, but we're also equipping people to be apprentices of Jesus. This is the heart of what we're about. That we are those who are kind of like under his tutelage, who are trying to follow him, who are trying to open our lives up to him, to reshape them, to reform them, to be like him. Um, and, and kind of as we give ourselves to that, um, you know, we're, we're formed by him to be a visible, not kind of hidden, but visible presence of renewal, like a kind of uh, a flavor, a kind of signpost of the kind of world that God is creating, this kind of renewed world, this restored creation. We get to be but a glimpse of it in the places where we are placed, in your street, with your friends, um, on your course, um, at your school, in your workplace. Like we get to be the, a sign and a foretaste of, of the person of Jesus and the coming of his kingdom. This is our mission. And um, like we've got something uh, of a strategy for kind of like how we outwork that. And the second part of that is the, um, the next slide, um, which is encapsulated by this word join. Um, and it's about kind of joining with others in our apprenticeship to Jesus. Like we have a fundamental conviction, and that's this, that if you want to go far on your walk with Jesus, you go with others. You go with others. This walk of apprenticing our lives to him is not something um, for us to do on our own. It's something to, for us to do in community with others. Like, th there's a kind of like hangover of the Victorian age that kind of taught that um, faith was this private affair. And that's just not something you ever see in the words of Scripture. Faith is not private. It's personal, Sure, but it's not private. It's always something that we do with others. You see Jesus, and what does he do? He, he doesn't call a disciple. He calls 12. And they don't kind of operate like Jesus and Luke and, um, and Jesus and Mark and Jesus and John. And you know, it, It's not kind of this one-on-one -on -one thing. It, it's a group. And you know, you've got Jesus spending time with John, and then you've got John spending time with Matthew, and Matthew spending time with Jesus. And it's kind of this communal thing. They do it together. You know, what does Jesus do is he kind of sends his spirit. He births his church. What is the church? It's a community of people who are together apprenticing their lives to Jesus. It's this together thing that we do with one another. And we have that conviction for us as a church that actually, if we want to grow into this mission, if we want to become more of the people who Jesus has made us to be, we've got to do it with others. I remember years ago, I've, I've, I've run in my life two, like, half marathon races. One was the Bristol when I was about 17, and one was in 2019, a bit more recently. And the first one, I ran, and um, I ran with a friend, and I got to, I think it was the, how far is a half marathon? It's 13, 13 isn't it? Thank you. Uh, I got to, I think it was about the 10, 11, 12, 
um, mile mark and hit what I can only imagine must be the wall. You know, people talk about this thing, and, and I, I hit it. And I've always thought, oh, what's that? That doesn't seem like that big deal. And I hit it because I'd basically not really done any training for the first time in this race. And honestly, I thought I was going to die. Like, it was awful. I just, every part of me hurt. I just wanted to stop. I didn't want to go anywhere. And my friend George, um, who I was running it with, like, saw me almost fall to the floor, like, turned round and just came and, like, grabbed me and basically just hiked me over the last kind of mile or so of this race. Like, he got me over the finish. And then roll on to 2019, I bothered to train for this one. <laughs> and, and I was running with someone else. I didn't really know them that well. Um, but they were a bit quicker than me, and I'm horrifically competitive, and I was having none of it. And, and I remember this, this, this person was running quicker than me, and but I was keeping pace. Like, the fact that they were running so fast kind of, like, encouraged me and helped me to keep going. And I ran it faster than I've ever run anything before. Like, I couldn't believe it. But the reason was because I did it with others. You see, we need others when we're struggling to carry us and keep us going. But we also need to do it with others actually when we're thriving and we're going really well because they help us to run faster. They help us to run stronger. They help us to run further than we are. We need to join with others. And so we've been taking a bit of time over the last few months to kind of just pray and percolate of how do we do this? Because like, this can either be something we just hope happens or we can find ways in which we can kind of try and encourage it and facilitate that kind of communal way. Because what we're doing here is great. It's part of our, how we do church. But it's really hard to get to know people. It's really hard to kind of join with others in our apprenticeship because we, we, we can't cultivate the levels of honesty and vulnerability and, and, and just being real with one another that we need to make that happen. And so we believe that like some kind of like small group, some kind of small community like structure is essential to that. And we've been praying about kind of how we do that. Um, and I kind of wanted to spend a bit of time sharing about that really. Before I do that though, um, as I've been kind of preparing and reflecting on this, one thing has kept coming back to me, and that's this. That how we do this is, is almost less important as, as to why. As to why. I think it's very easy for churches to do small groups because it's what a church does. Or because it's nice. Or because... Um, it's just a nice way to get to know some other people, which isn't a bad thing to do, but I think there's something more. I want us to just spend a few minutes looking at scriptures, um, and I want us to look together at, um, this might seem a bit random, but bear with me, this will make sense, at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 7, if you can read the um, exceptionally large writing. Um, but don't worry, I'm going to read it out. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians. It's not actually the second time he's written. Um, there's a few other letters that we don't have, um, but that kind of alluded to because he sort of refers to them. Um, but this is one of Paul's letters to the Corinthians, almost certainly not the second one. And what Paul is doing here is he's comparing two covenants, two ministries, two ways in which God interacts with his people, two ways in which we kind of live life with God. Um, the way of life before Jesus and the way of life that Jesus has now made possible. Let's read. Now, if the ministry that brought death was engraved in letters on stone, he's referring to the law given to Moses, came with glory 
so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who had put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, um, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So there's two covenants, two ways in which God has worked with his people. And so, um, and, and Paul's comparing them, and I think sometimes we get this a bit wrong. We, we kind of think one's bad and one's good. Paul's not saying that. He's saying they're, they're both good. You know, he, he's saying they're both glorious. There's, there's goodness in both of them. But one was kind of, one was temporary. One was a temporary measure that was a good thing, but it was, it was an incomplete thing. And so, you know, what God did is he, he gave his people the law through the person of Moses. He gave these people this kind of codified, um, you know, detailed way of living in him that showed them kind of how to live, showed them what the good life looked like, showed them how to kind of uh, live life in him, showed them how to organize themselves as a society. And, and we often rag on that, but actually, it, it was good. Like, law is a good thing, Right? Um, and what law does is it, it guides, it, you know, it, it, it helps us kind of know what to do and what not to do. It, it restrains. You know, if, if, if you're thinking I might commit a crime, you probably won't if you know it's against the law because you're going to get punished. It, it kind of restrains behavior. Um, and it also kind of deals with like when things kind of get out of control. You know, if someone murders someone, it's a really good thing that ideally the police arrest them and chuck them in jail, right? It's a positive. The law is a kind of a positive thing. But, but the problem with the law is this. It, it doesn't transform. It doesn't transform. It can guide, it can restrain, but it can't change the heart. It might stop someone from murdering because they know that they might get chucked in jail, but it doesn't deal with the anger that still remains in the heart. It doesn't get rid of that. And so what Paul's doing is he's comparing these two things. And why is, why is the ministry, the second ministry he's talking about, the ministry of the Spirit, more glorious than the ministry of the law? It's because it's a ministry that transforms. Like, you know, Paul says, if the ministry that brought condemnation, because the law could convict and show you kind of where you're living in a way that's not right, he says that's glorious. Why? Because it shows us where we're living in ways that are kind of going off piste. But what does the ministry of the Spirit do? He says um, the ministry of the Spirit is more glorious because it's the ministry that brings righteousness, right living, right being. Um, 
you know, in verse 18, he says this, we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. So as we fix our eyes on him, as he is our center, as we contemplate him, as, we, as he is our dwelling place, as he is the place we are in, we are being transformed into his image, into the image of Jesus with ever increasing glory. It's a continual thing. It's not something you arrive at. It's something that you take steps and you journey in. With ever increasing glory, where does that come from? It comes from the Lord who is the spirit. You see, here's the truth. We don't transform ourselves. God transforms us. What we do is posture ourselves in openness to his work of transformation in us. And I think there's a couple of ways in which sometimes we attempt to live the Christian life. And they mirror these two ministries. They mirror these two covenants. Sometimes we see it as kind of, here's what being a Christian is meant to be like. I've got to be loving, and I've got to be patient, I've got to be generous. And so we try really hard to do those things. And so we, we do things to try and be as loving as possible, and we work really hard at it. And, and we roll on a couple of years, uh, and we find that we're not actually any more loving than we were a couple of years ago. And we think, oh, God, that's a bit disappointing. I've been really working hard at this. And I've seen this happen with people. that They, they, try, you know, they, they, they get that this is what the Christian life's meant to be like. And, and they're trying to do it, but it never seems to happen. They just seem to stay where they are, and it just seems really frustrating. And I've seen people, when, when this happens, two journeys generally take place. One is that either it all just becomes a bit lifeless and dull, and, and we think, gosh, it doesn't really work. And, and so we kind of just become a bit, we, we still believe it, but we just don't really believe in the transformative power of it anymore. We, we kind of give up on that, and we accept this kind of, we still come to church, we still do this stuff because Jesus is still real and we still believe him, but it just, I don't know, has a bit more of a dullness. And the other way I've seen that sometimes happens with people is, is that they just kind of give up and it's like they just walk away from faith because it feels like, well, what's the point? All this seems to give me is a kind of different moral vision to the one I could cook up for myself, but it doesn't change anything. The other way of living is the way that Paul gives us here, and it's the ministry of the Spirit. And, and the difference, it, it's about posture. One is about, I'm doing this, I'm changing this, I'm working hardest, and then I'll become like Jesus. And the other is, I can't make this happen. I can't change myself. Jesus can. I've got to posture myself in openness to him. Why am I sharing all that? Because I believe that second way has got to be at the heart of how we do small community life in this church. That's got to be the focus. It's got to be helping and encouraging one another to grow in our openness to God, to grow in our openness to the work of transformation he is doing in us, such that we might be transformed and grow. We don't want to just simply learn more about Jesus. We want to become more like Jesus. We don't just want to know more about him. We want to actually know him. We don't just want to kind of like have the right ideas in our heads. We want to live them. And so we're calling our kind of, we're kind of rebranding and kind of relaunching small groups today. And we're calling them this. We're calling them grow groups. And we're calling that for one simple reason. Um, and that's that we want to kind of label them what we want to see. We want them to be contexts where we, we grow, where we, we grow in, in two ways. We grow in our intimacy with Jesus, and we grow in our kind of transformation in him as we kind of open our lives up to him in ever-increasing measure. And we want that to be the heart of what it's about, 
that we gather together to encourage that in one another, to encourage that we might open our lives up to God, that he might transform us, that we might grow in him and know him more and, and, and kind of live ever increasingly kind of into his image. And so um, I've come up with a kind of a bit of a definition for a grow group. Um, Z King, if you put the next slide up, it's this. So you might think, what's the difference? Why grow groups not, we've had home groups before we've got hubs. Like, why grow groups? This is what a grow group is. So a grow, grow group is a group, any group, who through five shared practices, more than that in a second, um, are committing to encourage, challenge, and pray for each other as we apprentice our lives to Jesus, seeking to grow together, um, to, to together grow in intimacy with him and let him transform us. So a grow group is any group that basically subscribes to two things. First of all, they have at their heart this vision, this, this yearning to encourage one another in growing in, our intimacy, uh, in growing in our openness to Jesus, that we might grow in our intimacy with him and that we might grow in um, being made ever increasingly into his image. And the second thing is that it's a group that's committing to five shared practices. I want to say a bit about what they are. They're simple. In many ways, they're obvious. But sometimes what we need to do is just simply name and clarify the simple and the obvious because it helps us kind of own it, step into it, and hold ourselves accountable to it. I'm going to whistle through these. So the five practices are this, connecting. Like, in any group's life, you've got to kind of invest in the relationships with one another. If you just turn up and it's like, right, down to business, here we go. Like, whip open your Bibles, everyone. You know, you don't develop the kind of relationships that actually enable you to encourage one another in a real and meaningful way to be open to God because we're always a bit more guarded when we don't trust people and we don't trust people when we don't know them as well. And so the practice of connecting is, is, is kind of at the start because it forms a bedrock for everything else that happens. The second practice is being with Jesus. This is one of our core values as a church, is to, to be with him, to like dwell in his presence, to know him. It's easy to kind of just whip ahead to focus on the kind of cognitive stuff and, and hope he joins us on the journey. And, and we're naming this as a practice that actually we stop in some way, shape, or form. And we're not being specific with these because we want them to be realized in a million different ways in a million different contexts. But in some way, shape, or form, we just stop as we gather together to just become aware of his presence with us, to just be with him, to just dwell in his presence just for a moment. The third practice is what we're calling a growth focus. A growth focus because it's something that just focuses us, helps us focus and reflect together on our growth in him, on our kind of how we're growing and being open to what he's doing in our lives. And we've called it a growth focus because we don't want to limit that. For some people, that might be we study the Bible together. For other people, it might be we read through a book. For others, it might be someone shares a thought and we reflect on that. For others, it might be we do a Lectio Divina. I don't know. There are a myriad of different ways. But it's something, as we come together, that just helps us focus on what, what Jesus is doing in us together as a group. The fourth thing um, is possibly at risk of being a tautology, but um, is, is sharing. Um, but actually... It's all very well and nice kind of like focusing on our growth and being with Jesus, but we need, if we're going to encourage one another in a meaningful way, to share and, and be real and be open about kind of where this is landing with us. Like I'm sure we've all been in those kind of um, Bible study meetings where we sit around and we talk about forgiveness and we could, you know, give the biblical definition of forgiveness like you wouldn't believe and we could tell you what the Greek means. But nobody actually admits that they've got a problem with forgiveness in their life. And, 
And the thing with that is that if we can't do that, if we can't have that kind of moment of reality, we can't encourage and support and challenge and, you know, help one another in reality. Reality is the only place where, where transformation happens. And so the practice of sharing, of just being real about, hey, this is how this is playing out in my life at the moment. This is what's good. This is what's not so good. Um, is a key practice. And the fifth practice is prayer. Because it's all about what Jesus does, and so we need to be seeking him. And we mean prayer in kind of every sense and in every form. Um, but we mean prayer in a way that's more than just... Um, like sometimes we can, you know, prayer can become the, the add-on at the end. You know, we, we gather together in some way, shape, or form, and prayer becomes a thing where we're like, oh, poo, we've forgotten and we've run out of time, and oh, quick, I'll just say something. Or, or it becomes a thing where we rip around the room and everyone's a bit cagey, and, and so we, we say good things, which are really important things to pray for, but we just pray for kind of my aunt who's unwell and the job interview I've got this week. And, and what we miss in that, which is good, we need to retain that, is we don't pray for one another in our growth in Jesus. We don't pray that we become more forgiving. We don't pray for, you know, Bob, who's, who's actually just really struggling with a colleague who really wound him up at work this week and who's just holding on to that a bit in his heart. We don't pray for him. We don't pray for the person who's actually quite good at forgiveness that they might kind of go further on into that. Like, if we're not praying for one another in our growth in Jesus, we shouldn't expect to see as much of it happening. So those are the five practices. So a grow group is any group that, that, that has that vision at the heart and that shares these five practices, that could look like anything. That could be a group that meets in a home, like a kind of, you know, home groups that we might be quite typically used to. It could be a group that meets in a pub. It could be a group that meets around, like, playing football together. It doesn't really matter how you meet or how you do that. All that matters is that in the group's life, it doesn't even need to be every time you gather, these five practices are being realized, and this vision is at the heart of driving us towards what we're about. That's what a grow group is. So a couple of things. Um, first of all, we'd love to kind of invite everybody um, to sign up to join one. Like, it's not that if you're part of this church and you're not part of a grow group that somehow you're like doing something wrong or you can't really be part of the church unless you are. But we just believe that actually if you're not part of one, you'll be missing out on something. You'll be missing out on a kind of important like, pillar, I guess, of like, how we grow into our mission together. And so we'd love to invite you to sign up for one. A couple of things, a couple of ways of doing that. First is this. Um, we've got kind of all the groups listed. You can go... Um, to the back, they're all on the wall, um, and you can see them all um, itemized. There's a little description of each. There's a photo of, I think, most of the people who lead it, so you can see, yeah, they don't look crazy. I might, that might be a group I want to join. Um, and there's a sign-up sheet. You can sign up there. You can also, which would make um, my life a lot easier, sign up online. If you go to redden.church slash growgroups, um, the list is there, and you can click on one you like and kind of um, apply to sign up. Um, inevitably, if you put your name down for a group, I can't, we can't guarantee you'll be able to be part of it because um, if 50 people sign up for one group, it probably won't work. If Stephen signs up for, you know, Lindsay's all-women group, we might have to have a chat with him about it. So, um, <laughs> see, <laughs> you never know, Stephen, you might want to, I don't know. Um, so, see, kind of see it as like, this is what I'd like to do um, rather than what will definitely manifest itself in reality. But, um, so... You can sign up online, you can sign up there. You might look at those and think, you know what? None of these really kind of tick the box for me. None of these kind of work. And, and, and that's fine, but maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, 
actually, I'd love to do a group that maybe did this. Well, great. We'd love to have a conversation with you about starting one. Come and have a chat with us. Um, we can't green light anything and everything, obviously, but come and have a chat with us because we'd love to at least explore that. And what we're doing with sign up, and we're going to do sign up uh, two times a year. We're going to kind of invite everybody, whether you're in a group or not in a group, to sign up um, twice a year. And we're going to do that for two reasons. The first is this, that for those of us that are kind of already in a group, we want it to be um, a moment of recommitment, of kind of saying, no, I'm, I'm committed to this vision, I'm committed to this group, and just like making a decision in that and kind of leaning into that rather than just hoping, uh, you know, rather than just kind of going along with the flow. So for many of us, it will just be a moment of recommitment to the group we're already in. But we also want to give an opportunity for um, people who maybe have been in a group and it's not working so well for you. And, and we all know what it's like. That sometimes you get yourself in a group, um, it's not working so well, but you don't really know how to say that. And so you end up staying in the group for three years and you find some excuses to go when you cannot, but you, kind of, you just feel a bit stuck in it. And we want to give people an opportunity that if you're signing up, you don't feel like you're signing up for life. You can make a commitment for six months. You can obviously leave or join at any time, but you're making a commitment for six months. If it's not working, say, well, that's okay. At six months, there'll be a natural kind of break point where we'll ask you to sign up again where there's kind of no awkwardness. So that's two things. Um, the other thing we're going to do, which is kind of just um, a kind of heads up, really, is we're going to, um, a couple of times a year at least, we're going to do grow group gatherings where we're going to try and gather all the grow groups um, together in one place to have a bit of food together. There'll be a bit of input um, uh, from, from the team and a kind of opportunity really to um, you know, mutually encourage uh, one another in, in, a, in a slightly different focused way. But whoever you are, wherever you are, we'd love to invite you to pray about maybe signing up for a group um, and just beginning that kind of journey of exploration, of taking that next step um, of growing into Jesus, of joining with him, uh, joining with others, sorry, in our apprenticeship to him together. I wonder if I might pray. Holy Spirit, I just, um, I just pray you'd come right now and that you would be speaking to all of us. Lord, we long to know more of you. We long to grow in you. And I just pray you'd show us what that next step looks like for us. And if that's joining a grow group, Lord, I pray that you would lead us to, to the right one. That, that that journey of exploration would begin now. That you just put it on our hearts. Lord, if, if maybe actually you're, you're, you're kind of calling us to, to lead a group that maybe looks different to one of the other groups that's here. I pray again that you would lay that on our hearts. You'd excite us for that. You'd impassion us for that, I pray. And we just kind of want to lift all of us up to you. Um, that we would grow in you. And that we would keep growing in you. And that you would bless us on that journey, I pray. Amen. We're going to close um, 